This podcast is brought to you by Scribe, a financial content agency. Just because your financial company and what you do is complex doesn't mean your content marketing has to be. Scribe produces blogs, articles, website and product copy, ebooks, pitch decks, and white papers for everyone from late stage fintech startups to the world's biggest banks and financial brands. Visit us at the Scribe Online. That's www.thescri.be. This is Stream It or Leave It. I like it a lot. Looking for something to watch? You have my undivided attention. We break down the best of streaming TV. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. So you can stop scrolling and press play. We talk, we hook up, I smoke them up, we watch TV. It's great. Uh, Tune in each week for our take. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. And now, action. The uh, stuff that dreams are made of. And don't call me Shirley. Welcome to Stream It or Leave It. I'm your host, Trindy, <laughs> with my co-host, Matt. Hi, love. And Jeff. Bugger. <laughs> and this episode's pick, if you haven't already guessed, is the animated dark comedy and satire The Prince on HBO Max. So according to <laughs> IMDb, it's an animated series that takes a satirical look at the life of young Prince George from his time at home in the palace to primary school with commoners. So that's an interesting description, but I feel like it wasn't quite encompassing of what I felt like the whole series was, which it's really, you know, from its humble beginnings as a dreamt up characterization of Prince George from creator Gary Janetti's Instagram, the prince follows the adventures of Charles and Kate's eldest child and the intended future king. And so in my opinion, or, you know, given what's happened to the royal family and all the attention that they've received in the past two years, it's probably the second worst thing to happen to the royal family since the leaving of Meghan and Harry from the UK. So I know that this was quite a controversial pick, obviously my pick, given the subject matter. So I'm, <laughs> I'm curious what you guys, your first impressions when I first proposed this series what what were you guys first impressions and matt you could take it away on to you mate <laughs> <laughs> when you propose this my first impression was uh hell no i guess <laughs> and then once i played it for the first time it was it was just awful i'm sorry it's just <laughs> from the get-go it was just lazy tired and mean i mean hbo max initially delayed the release because of prince philip's death and then they dropped it very quietly, I guess, because they watched the show and they just realized that it wasn't going to go anywhere. It's uh, like a family guy skit stretched out over, what is it, 10, 14 minutes episodes. Every character has one joke and somehow 14 minutes become repetitive. We're going to discuss it more, but no, not for me. Wow. <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. <laughs> <laughs> And not clear it's throwing all the punches in the beginning there. Uh, okay, Jeff, I'm curious what your first impressions were when, yeah, when we put the prince on the table. The only thing I could come up with was it's like Family Guy where every character is Stewie. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. You know, you're right. I th initially I thought, well, Prince George is clearly the early Stewie where he's it's it's funny because he's a mean baby. But blended in with the latest two, where he's funny because he's kind of eccentric and metrosexual. But you're right. Every other character is just a rude person, which is yeah. Stewie. So, yeah. yeah. 
it, they're all one note characters and the note is the same for virtually all of them but we'll get into that in a bit yeah true what I did mean, you think shindy uh well i had a different introduction to this because i followed gary Gennetti on instagram from probably two years ago even before megan was introduced to the royal family but obviously after she joined the royal family was when his instagram took on a different it was like an alter ego. So uh, the showrunner, the creator is Gary Gennetti. And, and this whole thing started from this embodiment of this character as Prince George. And so through the years, as Meghan began to be more popular, he made Prince George seem like this very bitchy, very crass, sardonic, almost like this member of the royal family who just has this humorous insight on being a member, but then he like just criticizes everybody. And so the show was not a big surprise in terms of the treatment of some of the members because I was already used to that from from scrolling through Gary's Instagram, but it definitely added a different context to it. I mean, it's a completely different medium. So it was quite interesting. That was my first impression. I was personally excited to see how this would transfer from being an Instagram feed. In little bite-sized pieces, maybe it's funnier, but yeah, maybe drawn out over a whole 12-episode series is a little bit tough. So... How was the tone um, for you? Was the tone quite similar to what you expected? And and, and the kid's voice, did you expect it to be basically an American spoiled kid do you know what it didn't even occur to me until just now when you said that that (laughs) prince george doesn't really have an english accent in the show no he doesn't quite no Uh, (laughs) he doesn't quite have everybody else's because you know given the cast which we could talk about after the spoiler alert but uh yeah now that i think of it i watched that whole show and didn't even think that prince george's accent wasn't quite (laughs) English. I don't know. Did you get that, Jeff? I didn't even... I didn't catch it. No. Yeah. How funny. Didn't even occur to me. Okay. So... I'm glad there's a Brit in the house. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, that's something that we can unpack as well because, Matt, obviously you are a Brit and, and I've spent some time in London. So the impressions of the royal family differ among people who are from there maybe than expats and maybe people who know it from like arm's length. So I think we can just go right into it unless anybody has any other first impressions. Let's get into it. Apologies (laughs) for making you guys (laughs) watch this. But anyway, here's your spoiler alert, guys. If you haven't seen The Prince, then now is your opportunity to... Stop listening to us and perhaps go and watch the show. Uh, It's not too long combined because each episode is only about 12 or 14 minutes. And then there's 12 episodes. So go check it out and come back and join us for our deep dive discussion. So I know that we had mentioned in the pre-spoiler alert about the um, predominantly British cast. I think everyone is except for Gary himself. So I don't, Matt, do you want to talk about, you know, I know you said that about some of the voice actors. I don't know if you had any specific ideas or commentary on that. I just don't know how they managed to convince all these big names to take part, all these people who don't need the money. I guess the Instagram thing was funny, and I guess they didn't read the script. <laughs> and I guess perhaps they were bored during COVID and were set at home and 
you know, taping and animation is something that's more COVID friendly, maybe, and then it's a new pair of boots or something. But I can't get my head around why Orlando Bloom, Sophie Turner, Alan Cummings, uh, how do they not have something better to do? But I guess maybe COVID is, is the answer to that. Ouch. I thought Bloom was quite funny, actually, as Prince Harry. Uh, you know, Meghan and Harry was the only kind of storyline that had a, any kind of interest because it's more than just one dimension. They kind of took their caricature and kind of followed it through to a certain direction. But, you know, in the end, the jokes on the show's creators, because rather than being desperate, you know, for money, they're, they're raking in the cash at the moment. So, well, you know, they get, what is it, like a $300 million deal from Netflix. Well, Gary's show is dumped quietly in HBO Max. So wow. <laughs> perhaps who's won that one? Yeah, I suppose. I don't know if you, yeah, taking it from a monetary value. I mean, I think that was one of the reasons why they left, right? It was to pursue these kinds of opportunities and Megan being the world-famous global actress that she is. Not really. <laughs> I guess, now, well, obviously now that she has the notoriety and the status of Duchess, she can now pursue all of these projects and charge an awesome price tag too. So aside from Orlando Bloom playing Prince Harry, did you have any other character that you really enjoyed? Personally, no. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff? <laughs> no. And part of the reason for that is I know nearly nothing about the royal family. I didn't follow anything that happened with the couple leaving other than, you know, sort of seeing headlines at the grocery stand. That was about my my exposure to all of this. So Wow. Victims to the tabloid. I'm notoriously like out of the news. <laughs> well, it's not a very sophisticated satire. So that means you don't need to know what it's based on because it's you know, it's the Queen's rude. Prince yeah. Philip is dying. You know, Camilla doesn't speak. <laughs> you don't need to much more information than that, you know? Philip is, yeah. I agree with you, Matt. I, But this is interesting because they did get so many A-list British actors and actresses to voice some of these characters. And so in my mind, I'm thinking that when they were asked, they jumped very eagerly into this project because maybe they thought from the success of the Instagram feed, they really thought, oh, well, this is going to be a successful show and the writing is going to be funny. And who knows what they were thinking as they were doing it. But I don't know that they would have had to be paid a lot for voiceover work. But my couple of favorite characters were Alan Cumming playing Prince George's butler, Owen. And then I love Dan Stevens anyway in real life. So the fact that he was chosen to play Prince Charles <laughs> was I just loved that. And he did such a good job, too. He was good. I it just, was a good impression. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know that maybe they didn't think twice. Maybe they're just connected or friends of friends, Gary, and that's why they agreed to commit to the project. But, you know, I think they went in full, hardly knowing that this was supposed to be a satire. So um, I wonder if I, they realized how mean it was going to be. I mean, they must have read the script. So I, again, I can't understand why. And, mm-hmm. you know, recording and animation is might not pay as well, but it's a very quick job. You don't need to put any makeup on. You can almost literally phone it in. So that's the only reason I can find. Yeah, I I don't think that they were able to see how Prince Philip would be portrayed as, as like a walking corpse. 
<laughs> and then uh, they weren't, yeah, weren't able to see the way, you know, Camilla was going to be portrayed. And, but this is quite interesting though, because it's, it's in the script. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, perception versus reality, right? Is this the perception that, that people have of the Royal family? And, and finally somebody has the courage or the balls to, to put it out there. So, you know, you have like, you toe the line between respect but then saying what's on people's minds. So I don't think, did either of you follow Gary's Instagram before The Prince? Did you follow the trajectory of this show at all? I didn't, no. I didn't know anything about it until watching it. God bless you. Yeah. <laughs> I was aware of it, but I, it's a funny idea. You know, it's a, it's one funny idea. <laughs> I think I clicked on it a couple of times, but even to me, even as an Instagram, it was a little thin. Mm. Over the years, well, this is interesting because the IG characterizations versus the show characterizations were quite different. Mm. Um, I felt like on Instagram, Gary, and I think people who follow his feed would agree that in the show, he's much harsher in his treatment of Megan on Instagram than he is in the show. Like in the show, it's almost like she's the one who's lifting Harry up and she's like the smart one while Harry is a total buffoon, right? He's trying to get like his massage therapy license and all this stuff. So strange. <laughs> and I was just wondering why he softened the tone there. Like, I wonder if he was getting pressure from like Hollywood elitists or something to soften it because now Megan's out in LA and she's kind of become this like Hollywood darling. So I'm really confused by that because how Gary even got on the map with this feed was really in him embodying Prince George criticizing Megan. So the fact that the approach towards her was softer in the show was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, it's funny um, they're going to soften against Megan, but go all out with an old man who's on death's door. <laughs> right. But, you know, Gary had also poked fun at Prince Philip before in that way. So that wasn't a surprise. And Prince Louis as a as like a rude kind of brute, like Cockney. a Cockney speaking. Yeah, that was the same. And then Prince Charles is kind of like spineless and entitled. And and he's also compared Camilla on Instagram to a horse, <laughs> like kind of like a voiceless tramp. That was kind of the same. I mean, the horse thing is not news. <laughs> it's it's a, right. a comment yeah. that's been around as long as she's been around. Mm -hmm. But I got to say, there was something about the Camilla caricature that was really disturbing. That one True. really was disturbing. It was mean. Prince Philip was disturbing, it just in a mean way, but Camilla was an extra layer of something about it. And I thought the caricatures were pretty good, but again, it's something that's in a piece of paper that you look at and you smile. But, uh, you know, I thought hers was particularly, uh, <laughs> yeah, disturbing. Yeah, it was pretty mean how their treatment of Camilla funny, but mean. Like, oh my God, when you're watching, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe they did that with like <laughs> Charles baiting Camilla with sugar and her moving her mouth like she's a horse. <laughs> and then the scene where she has the allergy attack. Oh man. And just the end when she's, oh, she, it's like she speaks at the worst moments and they really... Like attack her for that. I mean, she's the known for not speaking because I think she kind of realized that she wasn't the most liked by the public. So she's mm -hmm. she's made a real effort to keep a low profile and just, you know, just sit there and bed in and hopefully at some point people will be okay with it. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what she sounds like. I mean, I think she sounds really posh. I think that'll be a fair, <laughs> fair comment, but I can't even picture her voice because she actually yeah, she doesn't 
she doesn't publicly speak very much. Yeah. It's hard to follow in the footsteps of the beloved princess Diana, right? I, you know, I think she's always in her shadow. And, and even when you watch The Crown this season, they obviously reenact some of the drama between Diana and Camilla and Prince Charles. And so that's interesting because it's like the biggest platform that's been given to Camilla ever. Mm. So... Anyway, going back to IG characterizations that are different from the show, what was new was Gary putting Kate as this like plotting alcoholic, which he's never done that on Instagram. So that was fairly new. Maybe it's because he had to assign her some type of, as you mentioned, Matt, some type of character plot line or type. Yeah. And I mean, I guess he realized he had to put some kind of storyline into a story. Yeah, exactly. He had to, to he had to make her something, and then Prince William, he's not never really taken a hit at, but in the show, it seemed like he was this unsuccessful peacekeeper person. So, but you know, moving forward, I know that we talked about whether it's this whole show is is there a line? Do you cross it? Was it mean spirited or funny? So, Matt, what did you think? I mean, I generally agree with you know Ricky Gervais that. Anything is fair game as long as it's funny. You know, it's comedy after all. But the Prince Philip, that stuff felt like a little bit too much. Even before he passed away, it was clear he was going to pass away soon. So, you know, just stay away from that. And then once he passes away, I guess at least they dropped it quietly, but it's still there and they go full out at him. It's definitely tasteless. But what really makes it offensive is the fact that it's lazy. You know, if you're going to be this close to the line, you better be funny. You know, satire can be the most sophisticated form of humor when it's used to reveal a truth. But these characters are so one-dimensional. They're like a caricature on a piece of paper. It's, uh, so it is offensive in that sense. Yeah, I. that's really eloquently said. Almost as brilliant as, you know, satire has to be sophisticated if it's going to hit the mark. But it, it's true. And you're right about Ricky Gervais. Like, he does so well with his satire and criticizing celebrities, say, like in an open forum like the Emmys, because he's very good at it. And he does it in such an intelligent and well-thought-out way that it hits the mark. So it's funny. So I don't know, Jeff, if you had any thoughts on this, whether it crossed the line? Well, I think... If you claim any sort of title, and it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's royalty or, you know, best-selling this or famous that, you're going to be called upon in some way to defend it. And oftentimes it comes with, you know, some sort of lampoonery, right? So I get the cringe comedy aspect of this, but it really did feel not knowing anything. Like, I literally don't know anything about it. I don't know the political climate in the UK. I don't know much about the royal family, but it sort of felt a little mean <laughs> for sure. <laughs> like over the top mean. Yeah. And I didn't think it was funny, but I thought maybe it's just because I don't know, you know, what what they're taking shots at or something. But mm. it doesn't sound like it. No, it's all there. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it. It sounds like it's pretty much on the surface. Yeah, like it wasn't very substantive humor. It was pretty surfacey level. Yeah, you make fun of an older man that is about to die by portraying him as a corpse. Like I, I get Matt's comment that that's very, you know, it's lazy. So I guess the only bright point of this is it's nice to see somebody having the courage to undress an institution like this and challenge perception and 
because the royal family is one way and they try to hold themselves up in one way to the public and have tried to do so for so long, it's kind of nice to see somebody just go at them in such a hard way. So in that way, I respect the art of it. There's also a disclosure at the beginning of each episode that obviously this is not the way it is, but it's a parody. It's a satire, right? And they say it at the beginning. So it's meant to be lighthearted, but I think maybe you guys are right that it ended up being a bit too mean-spirited. So I know that there have been some comments. Did it go too far in terms of making this Prince George character embodying this child? Was it invasion of privacy for a child? So Matt, I don't know. What were your thoughts on this? I don't know. I think I kind of agree with what Jeff said and what you said. If you're out there, you're going to get mocked. It happens. And to, in a sense, because it is so bad and it's so far away from reality, it's not that big of a deal. So it can be very easily dismissed. So in a way, it's gone so far that it's become okay. But I think it's, you know, the kid is just a kid. It's not based on any reality. So I don't think it's going to affect him or hurt him in any way. There's much worse that gets written every day in a sense. But it was interesting, though, to see Orlando Bloom and Sophie Turner. Sophie Turner, they've been accused of hypocrisy because they've asked for privacy of their own children. And then they come on to this incredibly mean-spirited show, which is based around a small child. So... It is interesting to see that it's hypocrisy, but, you know, it's Hollywood actors are sanctimonious. I guess there's nothing new there. Ooh, ouch. Yeah, maybe they, <laughs> they thought they justified it because it was an animated show. I Who knows? But, you know, the characters that they voiced weren't necessarily evil. And that was interesting because Charlotte was... Sophie Turner voiced Charlotte's character, but she wasn't evil. She was almost like this conniving, plotting spy. (laughs) We didn't know who she was working with, but it was just funny. She didn't really do anything mean. And Orlando Bloom was just kind of, you know, playing Harry as this, like a, like a baby out of the womb (laughs) to everyday reality and how real people live. So I don't know that he was really being an evil person. So my take was at first one, you know, you read about all the outrage and now everybody is so... You know, somebody says something and then on Twitter within minutes, there's usually some form of outrage. It's expected. (laughs) So at first you're like, wow, why is everybody so prude? Like maybe it's people's problem with having children being flamboyant or different, or maybe it's just everybody's uptight, you know? But on the other hand, you have comedians who are being canceled left and right for the things that they're saying. And so it's like, should they be afraid of saying things? Because that's the only way that they can truly express their version of the truth. So I don't know. Yeah, you never know. Who knows? You know, you just have to say it. You don't, you don't know. Like, and if it's an idea that's coming through to you and you think it's funny and you put it out there and people just steamroll you for it, that's the, that's the risk you take. <laughs> Absolutely. As a comedian. Yeah. I think it's kind of like a version of the public interest defense in journalism. You can publish things as long as it's in the public interest and in comedy, You can say mean things as long as it's funny or it's meaningful. If it's not bringing anything to the table and it's not even funny, then you open yourself up to be told to shut up. (laughs) True. Very interesting. Jeff, I don't know. Did you have any... I know that 
you're sensitive to these kinds of things. <laughs> Did you feel that that they were? I mean, you don't know anything about the UK royal family, so I, I'm just curious. Did you feel like this show was bullying these characters? I don't know. You know, like, and it's not that I don't think there's no value to something like this, even if I don't think it's funny. It's like kind of what you were saying. Somebody had some courage to take a shot at the royal family, but at the same time, it's almost surrealism. It's not, none of it's real, right? From what I'm gathering, like these people probably aren't like that. It's a, like extreme overcharacterization of like maybe one small facet of, of their personality that's blown up to be the whole thing. And, but even then, there's still value in sort of making everybody sit down and go, hmm, you know, uh, maybe we are going too far. Like we're talking about it right now. So, you know, it sort of like brings up these things, even when it's bad it still brings out this conversation. So that's one thing that I do appreciate about it anyway. And that's why I was totally willing to talk about it, even though I didn't know anything about it or or really find it too funny. So, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, do you guys feel that it should have just been left as an Instagram feed, <laughs> Matt? <laughs> what do you think? I mean, I think this is going to be seen as an example of the excesses of peak streaming era. You know, there's a... <laughs> There is a reason why this didn't make it to broadcast. You know, it's one joke that is funny in one medium is not enough for a whole series in another medium. You know, there was the, uh, I don't think, I don't know if you guys are aware, if you saw it, I didn't actually watch it, but I, there was a series called Shit My Dad Says, starring William yeah. Shatner. It was a sitcom based on... I remember the Twitter account. I mean, yeah. you know, it was a funny Twitter account, but, you know, that wasn't enough to make a, a, a sitcom. But I think I mentioned to you guys, I, I got around to watching that movie Zola that was based on an insane Twitter thread of, uh, I think, 2015 that went yes. viral about a crazy weekend in Florida with strippers, motels, guns, pimps. And, you know, that was a good movie. That was done with style, with some energy, with some nice, with some panache, and it had a message. So, you know, it is possible to convert these things into something that's meaningful this time it just and like you say i'm open for people giving things a go but this one just did not work for me yeah yeah i'm excited to see zola too i remember the full twitter thread which i read which is definitely a prerequisite for watching the movie so i think we could definitely pipeline that one i don't know i would say don't watch the thread i mean i I, i was aware of the thread i knew the world of the thread but I, for one reason or another, never read it. And I never read the Rolling Stone magazine article, which was also kind of based mm-hmm. news for this movie. A Rolling Stone reporter tracked everybody down and got their versions of the story. And I read it after watching the movie. And I'm glad I did that because it's, you know, it gives away a lot of things that happen, mm-hmm. obviously. <laughs> so, you know, before we go to our favorite parts, if you guys have mm-hmm. any about this show, I was just so curious. Matt, as a Brit, how did you feel about this series? I don't know if you've had any particular, you know, interest or care for the royal family or even what it represents to you or what they as an institution represent to you. But were you upset by this portrayal of um, Prince George and the royal family? Or did you get a few kicks out at it? I'm just curious because my exposure to... British cultures. I mean, I I lived in the UK multiple times throughout my life in London, mostly. So I am curious as a Brit, (laughs) what what was your impression of how the royal family was portrayed? I mean, I I am not the 
biggest fan of the institution and what they represent, you know, but the Queen is an extraordinary public servant. I have a lot of respect for her and what she does. So I'm vaguely offended by how they portrayed her and Prince Philip as well. Again, only be- in a sense, only because it's so lazy, repetitive and unfunny. You know, an old lady swears, you know, over and over again. Great, you know. In a sense, the show is a positive for the royal family. It's a, it's a publicity boon because, if anything, it makes someone like me feel like a defender of the monarchy all of a sudden, you know. So, in a sense, it's uh, it's an own goal. Yeah. <laughs> Good way to put that. And, you know, we obviously don't think of the queen as this cursing, um, you know, we see her in the public eye as very polite, but maybe that's how she is in real life because I thought she was portrayed as kind of a badass in this whole series. She was authoritative. She got shit done. She was ordering people around. Like, I loved that to see the queen portrayed differently than how she usually is, which is very polite, very respectful. You know, it's all about etiquette and everything. So, I just, I, I liked that. I thought it was a refreshing take, so. Well, I think they missed an open goal, though, because I think there was there was an interesting angle to explore where she's the head of the family. You know, they call it the firm, you know, the family. There's these kind of mafia connotations. And I think there's one episode where she's sitting at her desk and she's stroking her dog and she's, you know, she's acting like the godfather figure. And I think they could have they could have done so much more with that. That would have been so much more interesting than, than just an old lady who swears every time. So they really missed a chance. And again, to me, it's because the writing just wasn't sophisticated enough. Mm, very interesting. So did you guys have a favorite episode or like if you had any favorite things about this at all? I don't, I don't know. Episode three. <laughs> it was the last one that I watched. <laughs> oh, okay. Moving on. I'm quietly moving my head here like Camilla from side to side. Like, no. Nope. <laughs> oh, ouch. Ouch. I mean, actually, you know, I will say something. I thought the Harry and Meghan storyline kind of went somewhere at least. I thought the Kevin storyline... Again, it went somewhere. The key bean. The, the, you know, the inbred <laughs> guy. But by the point it goes somewhere, I'm already well over it. You know, I'm already, I'm already lost. The flummery tart uh, alien person. Yeah, that was hilarious, actually. And I thought Royally Screwed was a good title for a HCTV show with uh, Prince <laughs> Harry and Meghan. Yeah, there were a few little tiny gems interspersed throughout, but maybe not within 12 episodes. What was your favorite? It was the one that was dedicated to Owen, Prince George's butler. Oh, yeah. Did you guys watch that one? I don't know if it It was, was, Jeff, if you got to that one. I didn't get that far. If you bother to watch any other episode (laughs) of this, the episode about Owen is actually quite good. It had like very up. You missed out. Yeah. Okay, I will watch it. I thought that was a sweet episode. It's all about George's butler because he has a day off and he tries to enjoy himself. And it's sad because Owen lost his wife uh, several years back. And so the whole episode is about him. And were it not for that single episode, I would have thought that the show was just written by a bunch of like crass, heartless bastards in a way. But they gave Owen this totally different dimension. And he's trying to enjoy his day off. And then Prince George is codependent. So he calls him like every five minutes. I thought that that relationship eventually between George and Owen was quite sweet. Yeah, it was like a little fun upstairs-downstairs action. So you thought this was written by crass, hapless bastards, but it was actually written by crass, hapless bastards who'd watched up. (laughs) (laughs) 
Maybe. Yeah. Okay. I get your point. I mean, you know what's funny though is the whole upstairs downstairs thing is it just never goes out of style, does it? It could be done a million ways and yet people are still so fascinated or it's like it's on endless storylines between what happens with yeah. the people and then the people who are serving them. White Lotus. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's the perfect ground for conflict for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Well, I know that you guys had many hangups. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, did you have any more that you wanted to add? <laughs> oh, I think uh, I think we'd be here all all night. But you know, it's the George thing, the way he spoke. You know, the fact that he was this this kid who was obsessed with Kelly Ripper. Obviously, none none of this is realistic, but it's so lazy. I mean. No kid in the UK has ever heard of Kelly Ripper, for starters. I think you said something about these celebrities they bring in being friends of the creator. Is that why you think they brought in Kelly Ripper and Elise Arena and these Bravo-type people? Mm, Yes, because Gary, over the years on his feed, he's very in with like The Real Housewives. And I think he's friends with like Andy Cohen, who is obviously the host of that show. And then there was that one episode where Prince George is getting style tips from Brad Goreski. And so you have this whole world that I am not really familiar with because I'm not a real Housewives watcher. So the inclusion of that whole clique was a little... It put me off a bit because... I just am not familiar with that world, but I I kind of have a sense of what it is. And, you know, I know people love that whole franchise, but for me, it's, I've just never really been into it. So I think that was my main hang up was just that introduction. It was just not necessary. Like it could have been cut. We could maybe have been like three episodes, four episodes shorter. So I don't know. Or 12. (laughs) So... Like, I, just random, faves and hang-ups aside, were there any other final mentions that you guys wanted to chat about the prince <laughs> or no? Or just quickly bury this and make it go away? Um, the latter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought the only other dynamic was, like, George's friends. Because that was an interesting exploration into how, you know, George interacts with his so-called friends in air quotes. Because it's, as you're growing up, it's true. It's like, how do you be a friend with a royal? Like a genuine friend. You know, do you always have to suck up to them? Is it sincere? How do you interact in a, like an organic way? Because everybody knows who you are. So it's very odd. I thought that, you know, it was an interesting, again, very surface level commentary but interesting well i think most kids at that age think they're the center of their own universe so maybe they relate to each other ah matt you're full of zingers today (laughs) i thought it's fair no Yeah. yeah i mean it's it's true yeah okay so that i think wraps up our chat about the prince on hbo max so stream it or leave it jeff uh leave it Okay, Matt, stream it or leave it. I think we've done a real public service here. We've put our bodies on the line on the way of this train wreck for our fans (laughs) and listeners. Leave it. Watch Zola. (laughs) Ah, okay. For me, uh, I will say go back and just read Gary Gennetti's Instagram feed since two years ago. And I think you'll be better off than spending time on the prints. <laughs> so I'm going to say leave it as well. Oh, so bonus, we get to talk about what else we're watching. It's always interesting to hear about what, you know, 
aside from the pick, what else we're spending our time on because I get such wonderful recommendations. I think our listeners too, just to show like our our breath and the dimensions of our, you know, of our tastes. So Matt, what else have you been watching this week? I mean, you mentioned Zola, but what else? Well, we did a, a lovely truffle hunting double bill the other night. None of those words are usually associated with Nicolas Cage, but his latest film, Pig, was quite a wonderful surprise. He plays this traumatized former chef who lives in a cabin in the woods with this truffle hunting pet pig, a very cute pig, uh, who then gets kidnapped by some junkies. And you then think you know where this movie is going to go. It's a Nicolas Cage movie, but it actually goes down a really interesting path. And again, it's like an hour and a half, which you guys know I love. (laughs) And it's surprising. It's quite artsy. It's a great performance from him. And then we teamed that up with the delightful little documentary, The Truffle Hunters, which is about old Italian men and their love for their dogs and their dying out of truffle hunting. Again, that was another short and delightful little movie. So I recommend that as a thematic double bill. Very cool. That's really interesting about Nicolas Cage. I think he's gotten to the point in his career where he can pretty much do what he wants, right? I mean, the notoriety and he's as much of a character off screen and in real life, like he's this enigma now. So no matter what he does now, I feel like it's going to immediately get attention. But there was something else that he had done recently that got a lot of... um, Mandy. Yes, that one. I'm looking to watch that one. Yeah. yeah, that one was the one where he, it's also kind of like an art house flick, right? Um, yeah, I would be. It's more of a horror one, yes. a bloody one. Mm-hmm. He went through a phase of knocking out, it seemed to be like three or four movies a year, mostly trashy. I think he had a lot of, it's known that he had a lot of bills to pay. Mm-hmm. And I think now he's come out on the other side and he's realized that there's, and people are coming with interesting material for him, realizing this guy can still do it. And a movie like Mandy, I think, set that in motion. I think this movie, hopefully, isn't moving on to other things. Perhaps you can also watch the uh, documentary Val that ties up to... Yeah, that was really good. That whole thing of a of a career, a career in decline or not. Yeah, with Val Kilmer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nicholas Cage is busy, though. He's doing the new Joe Exotic mm. television series. Apparently, he signed on for that. He's actually no longer doing that anymore. Oh, no. Wow. I think that's been canceled. Breaking news from yeah. Matt Sanchez. <laughs> I believe so. <laughs> Hollywood Reporter. Jeff, what else are you watching? I watched a documentary on Hulu called Stray, which is about the lives of stray dogs in Istanbul because they have a no-kill policy there. So there's just dogs everywhere. Hmm. And it's super slow-moving, very meditative, sort of interspersed with quotes from Diogenes about dogs and men and their interaction with each other. And it's just a really interesting look at the city of of Istanbul, this portion of homeless guys who are glue sniffers and take care of dogs. And it's just, it's it's very hard to describe, but it's a kind of a beautiful movie. It's, uh, I don't know. It was really good. I enjoyed it a lot. I think it's worth a watch. Whoa. I have definitely not heard. And that's on Hulu? Yeah. Okay. And Matt, is Pig, where is that? Where can people find that? Or is that in cinema? Pig was on 
I'm going to double check that. You give us your take and I'm going to double check that. Yeah, sure. And Truffle Hunters too. So I've been watching... (laughs) I am so sad to say that I finished the Durrells. And I know in a previous episode, as I was listening back, I had pronounced their name wrong this whole time. Like when I was growing up and I was reading (laughs) English literature, I always thought that it was Lawrence Durrell, but it's actually the Lawrence Durrell. And so I've been watching the Masterpiece Theater series, The Durrells, which is about the Durrell family and their life in Corfu between 1935 and 39. So just before the war, because Lawrence Durrell is a famous, almost Nobel Prize nominated novelist. And then his little brother was this famous British naturalist and conservationist. And so for a small period of their life, their mother, seven years after she lost her husband, she just up and moved the family to Corfu, this Greek island. And it was to pursue a less expensive lifestyle and obviously sunshine and just a better life for her family. And so this show is based on Gerald Durrell's novel trilogy about his family's experiences on the island. And it's it's so good. I mean, it's funny. It's written so well. It's not like uptight. It's very, it's progressive. It's, it's got all sorts of good stuff in it. So I really, really enjoyed it. And then of course, (laughs) after I watched the Durrells, I watched what the Durrells did next, which is hosted by Keely Hawes, who's the main character in the show. She plays Louisa Durrell. Oh, not Andy Cohen. No, thank God. So (laughs) she talks about what they did and their impact on British culture and British society as a whole. It's really fascinating. And this might be for a future stream it or leave it, but I took you guys' recommendation and watched Dave. So I've begun Dave. So funny. I'm only in season one, like episode five, but making my way through it. So I will save my remarks for a future episode in case we focus on Dave. So Matt, back to you. Where did you find Pig and Truffle Hunters? Both are on uh, VOD. Oh, nice. So pay-per-view, stream at home. Sweet. I forgot to mention, Dave is on Hulu, and then The Durrells is on Amazon Prime, as is (laughs) what The Durrells did next. I I really became obsessed with that family for like a good sketch of time. (laughs) Like I really binged that show. So anyway. Do they have what The Durrells did before? (laughs) No. It'd be pretty depressing. There will be a prequel. Uh, (laughs) That's actually a good idea. Anyway, so I think that's it for our episode this week on Stream It or Leave It. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. We've got a Substack going on soon. We'll have YouTube. So appreciate you guys and have Have a lovely day. Cheers. Bye. That's our show. Are you not entertained? What did you think? Pretty Pretty good. Don't forget to subscribe and find, like, and follow us on social and on YouTube. We don't have faces for radio. Promise. You can't handle the truth. You can also find our show notes on Substack at Stream It or Leave It. See you next time. And thanks for tuning in.